Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello and welcome back to my business playbook. I hope that you are doing so, so well. Now this interview was such a cool conversation. I left this conversation feeling so inspired. And the thing I love about this guest is I kind of arrived at the conversation and was like, who knows where this is gonna go? He's someone who has been in many like different types of businesses. He does many things, but he's been an entrepreneur for decades. And so he kind of has this perspective on building a business that I think is so wise and he sees just the big picture. And I think for many of us, we get caught up in the day to day. We want fast results. We want things now. We're thinking about, you know, this week, we're thinking about this month. We're not thinking, well, where do we want to be five years from now? What kind of person do we want to be? We're not necessarily thinking about those things. They're not front of mind. But this conversation with Brad Peterson really helped me to kind of think big picture to kind of almost like relax my shoulders a little bit and just feel like, okay, it's going to be good. (laughs) It's going to be good. And like actually to reprioritize some of the things in my life and in my business, you're going to love this conversation. So I'm really, really excited about this episode. Now, a little bit about Brad. Brad is based in Canada. He is, he was introduced by uh, a friend of the show. I don't, you might know Renee Warren and Dan Martell. He's good friends with them. And so they were like, oh my gosh, Renee said to me, you need to get Brad on the show. And I was like, perfect. Any recommendation of hers? I'm like, yes, heck yes, let's do it. So Brad started his first business at the age of 16. He has had several business pursuits before being inspired to get into the kids business by reading a story about a young entrepreneur who invented a toy and through it built a successful company. With this example, Brad was compelled to develop his first toy company, bootstrapping it from a basement condo in Red Deer, Alberta, and growing it to become one of the largest Canadian toy companies. Along the way, the company has received several awards. He has now since uh, sold that business, and now he works in a bunch of different other businesses. He is really working with people who are conscious about the environment Oh, he just does a bunch of cool things. So you're going to love this conversation with Brad. I've never interviewed a toy maker before. Um, So this is a lot of fun. Let's dive into my conversation with the wonderful Brad Peterson. Brad, I am so happy to be talking with you. You are joining me all the way from Kelowna in British Columbia, Canada. How the heck are you today? I'm amazing. And, uh, it's not too often that I get to visit with distant cousins from the Commonwealth down under. So really excited <laughs> yes. that uh, us Canadians and Australians can connect and uh, talk about some really cool stuff. I love it. I always feel the kindred spirit with anyone from Canada, anyone from New Zealand. It feels like the Commonwealth. We, we understand each other. Um, it's good. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I'm really excited to talk with you about really, I feel like we're just going to go deep today on your business journey, you are, as some would call, a serial entrepreneur in the truest sense of the word. And I think it'd be really awesome for us to dive into, you know, your business journey. You've been doing like this a long time. You've run multiple businesses. And I really want to dive into the things that really 
have made you successful, the things where mm. things have gone, you know, parts of the journey have gone wrong. And really, I, I feel like your story is super inspiring, Brad, and I know that our audience is really going to resonate with your journey. But first, before we kind of dive into all of that, I want to know, give us kind of the, the rundown of, of who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for the kind introduction. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. We got connected through mutual friends and um, they said, you guys are just going to have a great time jamming together. So I've been really looking forward to this. So yeah, look, uh, first and foremost, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a founder, and uh, now I'm becoming an author. Um, As you already know, I live in British Columbia, Canada, which you know, I, I've traveled a lot of the world, um, not all of it, but for what I love to do, this is the best place on planet Earth. It's incredible, just mountains and lakes, and you really get four seasons, and outdoor pursuits are just uh, in copious abundance in this part of the world. In fact, a ton of Aussies uh, are here uh, chasing snow, typically, but uh, we run into them all <laughs> over the place. So it's great to spend time together. But uh, for 27 years of my life, I actually manufactured and distributed kids' toys. I founded a company that today sells popular brands like Tonka, Care Bears, Connects, and Lightbrite. And, uh, you know, during my career, I've literally sold over a billion playthings on every corner of the planet. And, uh, wow. you know, that's, uh, that was an exciting journey, um, somewhat terrifying. In fact, the word I use is terrifying. It was terrifying and exciting because the toy business is not for the faint of heart. You're as good as your last uh, at bat. Um, having a sustainable toy brand is, is kind of an oxymoron. There's very few of those. Barbie, which is very topical these days, is one of those. <laughs> but those are really, really rare. Um, typically, you have a hit and, and then you have to find your next hit because kids are fickle and their attention wanes quickly and you've got mm. something and they play with it and it can become a huge hit and then all of a sudden it's gone and you got to replace all that revenue. And of course, in the meantime, you've built up a company with people to make all that revenue happen. So there's just a lot of stress that comes with it. But at the end of the day, very, very grateful for that experience. And uh, it certainly taught me a ton. And most of my lessons actually come from making mistakes. And I know you've already teased that out. And I'm sure we're going to get into some of that discussion today. So um, anyways, I uh, maybe I'll pause there just as a a point of of reference and we can decide where you want to go. Yeah. And so when you say you started a toy business, were you physically making toys? Like how did how did that I'm kind of picturing you in some sort of I don't know, workshop making toys, but is is that actually how it went? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, the answer is no. Um there is uh there is no like we have this mythical idea of a Santa workshop with elves that are putting these yes. incredible play devices together. Um, that, that did not happen. And in in fact, you know, my background was never intended to be, uh, in the toy business. I actually came from a a rural part of Canada and that whole area was known for agriculture and oil. Uh, there was no toy manufacturing or anything of that sort in the area. Um, but I've always been very entrepreneurial as a kid, always had these, you know, sort of side hustles that I would do at school or with, with my friends. And I chose to chase my curiosities and mm. to let my imagination uh, explore possibilities. I was actually, I was inspired by an article about a kid who had invented a toy and was kind of a rags to riches story. And uh, that's really how I got my start. I just decided to, to chase the curiosity and have the courage to actually try. And that just yeah. sort of led me down this, this circuitous path that ultimately had me become a toy distributor and then finally a toy maker um, and uh, an exciting journey in putting those things together. 
Incredible. And so your new book, and, and I know that there are so many other businesses and, and kind of causes that you're really a part of, and I do want to touch on that. But your new book is called Startup Santa. And when I read mm. the um, title, I was like, is this like a, I was like, is this a Christmas thing? <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. We've got to tie it in with Christmas. And then realized, no, 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 this is your like, how you've taken the learnings from your toy making business into business. And I want to kind of talk about, you know, that idea and the the big learnings. And I know that you cover a lot of this in the book, but talk to us like big picture. What are, What do you think have been the big learnings that you have only been able to learn by running a toy business that have applied to how you run your your businesses today? What do you think have been your biggest learnings? Gosh, um, there's so many. My biggest learning is, is that life is what happens when you're busy making plans. There's a saying out there that um, man plans and God laughs. And yes. uh, as I think about my journey um, and the the plans of my journey, I mean, I started this this toy distribution company, and that toy distribution company in Canada became the largest of its kind um, mm. in the country. And at the height of its success, we were listed on all these um, fastest growing business uh, articles. I was on the yeah. speaking tour. There was all kinds of things happening that were just like telling me that I was doing a great job. And uh, incredibly, uh, that business ran into financial difficulties. I found out the hard way that you can actually grow and scale a business too quickly. And uh, wow. while that's something that most people are, are not aware of, or I think aware that, that that's possible, it's, it's something that happened to me. And I spent the next two years trying to unwind uh, some mistakes I made and fix that company and ultimately couldn't fix it, ultimately um, ended up in bankruptcy. But mm. I look back on that moment and while in the moment it was incredibly difficult, I now call it my inconvenient blessing yeah. because if I had been successful in that toy distribution company, I never would have had the forcing function to stop me to find a new version of myself, which turned out to be a toy manufacturing company, which was infinitely a better opportunity than I would have yeah. had otherwise. And, and as my journey has come along, what I've come to learn is that there is purpose in your pain. Mm. You know, Ernest Hemingway had this amazing quote. He said, the world breaks all of us and some of us are stronger in the broken places. And the, the, wow. the metaphor he used is broken bone. If a broken bone is given the opportunity to mend, it's actually stronger than it was before it broke. Now, yeah. the key point there is the opportunity to mend because a broken bone on its own that doesn't heal properly becomes gangrenous and causes, can cause death. So I've come to learn that if you take the time, it, it's not what happens to you. It's, it's how you use that and can make something come through you as a result of it. And mm. I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, God has this amazing way of coming into our life and causing these massive disruptions that we maybe mm. in the moment think are incredibly painful, but actually are the moments that allow you to find the better version of yourself. And mm. uh, as I look back on my history, um, you know, being in the toy business for, for close to 30 years and now uh, leading a t clean tech company, literally the best parts of those businesses and opportunities came as a disruption that in the moment was incredibly painful, but yeah. ultimately created a purpose for a better, um, a better outcome. So I'm a really big believer in don't despise the process for yeah. what it'll make of you. 
and yeah. be willing to, when you, when you see painful things happening or things you don't understand, actually stop in the moment and realize that this is a part of your character development. Mm. Challenges can create your character. And I just, um, it, it, we, we resist pain. We resist, <laughs> we resist resistance, but ultimately it's the yeah. one thing we need to truly yeah. thrive as humans. Oh my gosh. So much of what you're saying. I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, I can totally, even in my business journey, that's been much, much shorter than your incredible journey. There are moments of impact that I can see where it looks like, oh, this is terrible. This is a terrible situation. This is something that, you know, you look at and you're like, the sky is falling. This is like COVID, for example, was a moment of impact mm. for all of us where we had to go, yep. this will either make or break me. And for many people, there was, because we were out of, completely out of control, there was nothing that we did hmm. to cause that, you know, it was like this thing of like, well, I don't know, I I didn't do anything to, for this to happen, but now my whole business has changed. And I remember so distinctly, Brad, we had this moment of, we lost half our business overnight. I remember sitting hmm. in, my, in my kitchen, just like, and I was just newly married. Um, and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. But I remember mm. I I was like, I want to create a course. And I'd already been planning my course. Everything went into lockdown. It was the day that lockdowns, like lockdowns were coming into effect midnight on this Tuesday here in Australia. And we had planned to do our course, film our course on the Tuesday. And I had the venue call me saying, you can't come. Like the world's, we don't know what's happening. And I was like, I am coming. <laughs> like I have to do this today because <laughs> I have to film this course. And it was like this moment of easily I could have gone, no, you're right. We, we can't do it. It's not a good time. I had, I had people, mentors telling me, do not film this course. It's not a good idea. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And that changed the entire trajectory of my business. Like hmm. that moment of impact, that moment of fear and not knowing what was going to happen, those moments are like the, it's like the crucible. They like make us. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like for so many of us, like you say, like we avoid, we dance around, we do everything we can to avoid those facing those things head on because we, we want to avoid the pain. We want to stay safe and and clean and away from the chaos. But it's like, we kind of had to run straight into it to to get to the other side. And I, I feel hmm. like I'd love to know your thoughts. Like when people start businesses now with, you know, we've got Instagram, we've got all of these things that kind of make business look glamorous and beautiful and perfect. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think the impact of that is for us in the reality of being in the trenches of, of running a business? Like how does that kind of impact us? Do you think? Well, first of all, thank you for sharing your story on COVID. It was, you know, there isn't a person who wasn't impacted in some way. Mm. And, you know, my coach says to me all the time, it's not what happens. It's what you make of what happens. You decide mm. what it means. You create mm. meaning out of it. And I, I know for, to answer your question as it relates to, um, you know, social media, which mm. I'm not actually on personally social media. Mm. I chose to not be for a number of reasons, but mostly for time and attention. I only have so much time and attention to give during a day and I want to make sure I give to things that actually matter the most. 
But beyond that, one of the things I think that's dangerous about it, and there's good things about it, so connections and knowing people, all that's great. But ultimately, it creates comparison. Yeah. And comparison is the thief of joy. And the problem is, is that people are only projecting this very small, shiny, polished version of their life, whereas the vast majority of it looks like a lump of, you know what, um, you know, <laughs> yes. mastery is found in the mundane. It's not in that uh, glamorous moment. So when you are building a business, the large majority of it is going to suck. It's going to be boring. It's going to be monotonous, rigorous things that you just go through the reps and you're going to celebrate these other things very occasionally. But what's so cool about it, and this is why there's joy in the journey, is that you know you're actually doing what most people wouldn't be willing to do. That idea that yeah. do now what others won't, so you can do later what others can't. So I think that yes. building a business, which is a lot of just going through, they call it grit. I, I just think you just have to blindly be very optimistic about the outcome and be willing to just yeah. sort of glide over the, the crap that comes into your life because it's going to be there and yeah. just work through it. And every once in a while you get to come up and celebrate and, and get recognition, which hopefully that's not why you're doing it. Hopefully there, your reason for doing this is because you're trying to uh, become the best and brightest version of yourself. Mm. But it's a very dangerous to go on the world of social media and, and, and use that as a gauge for how business success is perceived. I mean, to me, when I see imagery of people with their Lambos and jets and all this, I'm like, okay, you don't realize like great if they have that. And I am not against having things that's up to your individual decisions, but to get to that, that person had to do a lot of really terrible things. And I mean, terrible to the extent that they were just like boring and mundane. And it, it, there is no such thing as just getting rich and staying impactful. If you, what, what I've come to learn in life is that easy come, easy go. So if you make money quickly, you lose it quickly too. It took yeah. a lot of time and effort and experience and just gutting it out in the trenches to get to a point where you can afford to have those options. And so they don't show that side of it. They're just showing this shiny piece, typically so they can sell you a course. Yeah. <laughs> but to get those things, you got to do a whole lot of hard work, right? Yeah. That is just, yeah. that is the only solution to actually... Uh, achieving anything in life, quite frankly. I mean, to go to the, yeah. if you want to get in shape, you go to the gym and you, you yeah. know, it's going to suck for most of it, but yeah. that's how you actually build a better body. Yeah. So true. So, and I love your authenticity, Brad. It's like so refreshing. Your story could have easily been that, you know, your, your toy business, you filed for bankruptcy and you kind of stayed there. Hmm. What do you think is different about you or, was there a conscious decision that you had to make or is it, there's something in your identity that made you go, this will not be the thing that breaks me? How, how did you kind of overcome that? Well, first of all, I had an incredible father who modeled um, discipline, perseverance, grit, and that was mm -hmm. very impactful. And I think it's so important as we raise kids that, you know, we don't lead by what we say, but rather by what we do. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that he used to say, and, and I, and I internalize them at an early age. He said, you know, the events of your life are not there to define you. They're there to refine you. So understanding, mm -hmm. don't despise the process. These things are there to serve you, to help develop your character that there's, you know, you can turn your struggles into strength, your challenges into character, but that's a part of the refining process. Gold is refined in fire. Diamonds become diamonds by being a lump of coal under heat and pressure. So for things to become precious, yeah. they actually have to go through a process and humans are no different. Right. Mm. And secondly, he 
said this very disturbing quote. I hated it, but it, it really <laughs> landed on me. He said, you know, in life, you're going to pay one of two prices. You're going to pay, pay the price of discipline or the price of regret. The price of discipline is going to cost you something. And it certainly in weight mm. would weigh ounces, but the price of regret will weigh tons and will crush you under its weight. And I heard that and I was just like, <laughs> it, it bothered me it, to the point yeah. where I actually wrote it out on a piece of paper and put it in a frame next to my bed. And when my alarm would go off in Canada in January at 5 a.m. and I want to roll over instead of roll out, I would look at that and I'm like, I don't want to pay the price of regret. I, I, I'm, and just, it would force me to get out of bed. Wow. Um, and so as I started to experience these challenges, it wasn't a surprise. And I think that's part of the problem. Entrepreneurs should just realize that this is why it's extraordinary to be a founder. Because most people aren't willing to actually persist through the pain. They're going to quit when it gets hard. That's what the average person's going to do. So when yeah. it's hard and it's sucking, you got to realize that you're the exception. You're doing something that's extraordinary, exceptional relative to what the average person would do. And, yes. um, you know, not that I'm saying we should be masochists and look for the hard. I'm, I'm constantly looking for the easier way to go there. But there is something kind of inside that's really gratifying about knowing that I am paying a price and I know that mm. I'm one of the rare exceptions willing to do it. And so yeah. when I experience these pushbacks and pains and setbacks, I just chose to use them as this is this just means I got bigger purpose for my life. Like this, this yeah. is a big problem. Like the thing I've come to learn is that the difference between like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and, you know, those types of people is they just have bigger problems. So yeah. if you want a bigger life and bigger responsibilities, be willing to take what comes with it on the other side of the sword, which is bigger problems that are there yeah. to help refine you instead of yeah. define you. Oh my gosh. There's so many, I like am mocking little clips from this going, that's a good, that's a good thing. We should share that on Instagram. There's so much gold in that, Brad. Talk to us about, you know, for a lot of people listening, they're in the early stages of the, their business and there's an element of like, it feels like a lot of risk to maybe quit their day job or to mm. take the next step, whether that's investing in coaching or like hiring team or whatever that next level requires of them. There feels like there's this risk. And a lot of the time it can also be tricky navigating family and, and making sure that your kids are okay, making sure that your, your marriage or your partner is okay. How did you kind of you know, you've, you've got two kids, you've got a beautiful wife. How have you kind of navigated mm. this journey of like your, your personal mission in business? And like, it's something that drives you, you're passionate about. How has that translated to your family? And what would you say to someone who is struggling to translate that to their family or, or struggling to kind of navigate that, that tension of family and business and, and those two priorities? Love that question. Um, so I want to qualify my answer, first of all, that I'm still a work in progress, right? So I don't have this all figured out. But after, you know, being a founder for now over 30 years, uh, there's a few things that I've come to learn about myself that I think have been helpful. Secondly, I want to establish that my wife helped co-found my businesses. And she is incredible. I tell people I, wear, I married way up. Um, there's, I put her through three bankruptcies. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure when she said for better, for worse, that she probably would have had a caveat, not for this. Um, <laughs> you know, having, yeah. having the bank come to your door to want to collect in your house is not a great day for your wife. So 
Um, the fact that she stuck with me, in fact, we just celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary. So I'm very wow. uh, grateful that she chose to stand in life with me. Um, that's, that's a real gift. Um, and so because we built the businesses together, obviously our pillow talk became very unique because um, we're talking yeah. about all parts of our life, our kids, our marriage, our business, and, and, and we both had roles in the business that were unique. Um, look, I, I've kind of landed up this place that, um, and I'll use an excerpt from my book. So my book basically takes toys because toys are, we all have toys from, from when we we're kids that we remember. They're iconic, right? That, that yeah. Christmas morning that you got that one toy and it's like, you can remember the, the opening the gift and what it was. And you can probably even remember the smells from the kitchen that day, right? It's just, it's, it's a very memorable part of our youth. So yeah. uh, I think we all can relate to toys. Secondly, toys are about, play is about problem solving. And it's a part of our development. And so toys have something to teach us. So one of the chapters, I talk about Jenga. And if you've ever played Jenga, you know that it's, it's this balancing act, right? Uh, there are some blocks that are foundational and there's some blocks that are flexible. You have to only move the flexible box because if you move the foundational blocks, the whole power falls over, right? Yeah. So what I've come to learn in my life that there's four foundational blocks and there's four flexible blocks. So there's four things in my life that are absolutely givens that I have to invest into every single day. And that is my, my family, my faith, my fitness, and my finances. And when I say finances, I say it largely as what's driving the economic engine because you know mm -hmm. your revenue stream is the lifeblood for your optionality and your freedom in life, right? So that's mm -hmm. it's an important part of who we are, right? It's not about being um, uh, uh, focused on materialism. It's really that you just need, you know, I don't live to make money, but I need, I need money to live just like I don't live to make blood, but I need blood to live, right? Yeah. Then there's my four flexible blocks and my four flexible blocks are refining. So it's about growing and learning myself. It's about fun. It's about friends, friendships and expanding those relationships. And then ultimately freedom, which is just navel gazing and, and exploring the possibilities and capacity within my life. And those are things that I, sh I think I should be doing frequently, like weekly and if not monthly, but I could take them off for a period of time and mm -hmm. come back to them and there won't be a problem there. So at the very base level, when the going gets tough, it's about knowing what are the things that are absolutely foundational in your life. And for me, it's those four, again, family, faith, fitness, and finances, and ensuring that I am investing my agency, my capacity, my talents into those things. And temporarily, uh, those other things maybe go on the back burner. They're not as important. And even within those four, for instance, I can't say that I've always been equally good with my family. Like if you're scaling a company, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the space shuttle to get out of space or let's use a, a, a SpaceX rocket. Now it's probably more appropriate. Yeah. I'm dating myself <laughs> here. Um, you know, 90% of that fuel is just to get it outside the atmosphere. So for you to hit escape velocity in your business, there's going to require a lot of effort up front, but it's about having the open communication with your partners and those that are impacting your life to let them know that this season of my life is going to require an extraordinary amount of effort of time, but I also agreement that on the other side of it, that I'm going to uh, balance myself out. And so my wife and I had those conversations frequently. And I think that is a real key to marriage in general is just communication to ensure you're doing um, yeah. uh, checks. And, yeah. you know, what I would say is two things that I've learned about auditing because I think it's important to reflect at the end of your week, exactly where did you invest your most important resource, which is your life force, your time, your time and attention are ultimately can never be created, recreated. So you have to invest those very carefully. Look at your calendar. If you say your family is important and you're not putting any time into your family, then you're just deceiving yourself. You're kidding yourself. 
or it might just be an awareness that you need to now put more time into your family. Um, and, you know, I'm just a big believer that, you know, reflection is what creates awareness and awareness is what then creates change in your life. And so yeah. your calendar tells the truth. And the other person that tells the truth is your spouse, typically. <laughs> and um, my wife is a great, great auditing tool for where I invest my time and where I might be at a yeah. balance. And while I think it's almost impossible to achieve balance, awareness of imbalance is more important. And those two things, your calendar and your wife are really great tools, or in your case, maybe wives who have husbands are great tools to create awareness about where do I need to create balance in my life, but also understand that not all seasons of life are equal. Not all time is equal, right? So how do I invest the time I have now for the opportunities that are at hand in a way that's an integrity with my values? Oh, that is so helpful. And I love the image of Jenga because I feel like we all can kind of picture what happens when we take one block out that's foundational the whole thing it's very noisy as well (laughs) it's very noisy but the whole (laughs) thing falls down and i think that's such a good way of looking at it and it's like identifying the foundations and the things that Mm. are kind of the not negotiables or the like immutable things that we must keep in check i i even feel like uh, my husband nathan and i we had this um conversation recently because he works in the business with me uh, but he also at the moment is building, I don't know if you guys call it this, but like a granny flat. Do you guys call it that? It's like a hmm. house off the back of a, Oh I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you would call it, but like, it's like a small two bedroom little house off the back of one of our properties. Hmm. Anyway, in Australia, we okay. call it a granny flat. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, but anyway, <laughs> he's been building that. And so he's been driving two hours, um, up and two hours back most days, to go and build this house. It's very mm. physical what he does. Uh, he also works in the business with me. So he's he's doing like, I don't know, sometimes it's like a 15 hour day working on the house to get it done and coming home, we're kind of like <laughs> in autopilot. And that's the way we described it to each other. It was like this six weeks, because it's a really quick process because it's a he's, he's a machine. He just gets the things done. But this six weeks we had to go, we're going to be on autopilot a little bit and we've got to be okay with we're having huge growth in the, in the business and also we've got this investment that's happening hmm. that's going to be awesome for our future but it does mean that there's a we kind of can't have it all at once and so it's been this interesting time of going okay what are we going to do to be intentional when we've probably got less gas in the tank we kind of are both quite busy how do we make sure hmm. that our marriage is good? How do we make sure that like we're still working out? We're still doing the things yeah. that actually give us energy. And and so I think articulating those four foundations, oh, it just feels like really a cool way to to kind of do, I guess, to do life, to do business, to do marriage. I think that's a really cool way to think about it. Can I give you a couple other ideas that I think yes. are, would be helpful? So I've come to learn the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. It's when you don't care anymore. And marriages fall apart because of this insidious apathy that starts to creep in based on a lack of connectedness. Mm -hmm. And a lack of connectedness comes from a lack of communication. And so most people don't realize the importance of being connected to your, your, your mate really relies on the importance of communication. 
And um, for my wife and I, we have, um, I mean, we, we came close to not making it. And I think, you know, not that I risk people going to the edge of their marriages, but one of the things that we've come to learn that it's critical, important that we create space in our life to have that ability to be communicating in a vulnerable, transparent way that creates more connectedness and more alignment to ensure that we are reading each other. And uh, so the two practices that we've built into our life is number one, we have a non-negotiable date night every week. It doesn't matter what's going on. That night's blocked off. You, no one can book anything in those nights. That is just for us. Yeah. And uh, it, there is no agenda. It's just meant to be a time for us to be together, uh, usually cracking a great bottle of wine because we love to do that and just spending time doing things, something that we love together, a great meal. And we take turns. I plan one week. She plans the other week. It's a surprise to the other person. You don't know what they're doing. Sometimes it's just like we're going to make food at home, but oftentimes it's finding this new little restaurant or something like that. And, and I get excited. Like tomorrow's night, tomorrow for me is Wednesday night. And I'm excited because it's a surprise. My wife's planning something. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's just a small little treat in the middle of the week that we get to go and do something together. So that for us has been a super cool thing that forces just fun, casual connection. The second thing is we have this non-negotiable connection point Sunday mornings, typically over a walk. And it's just a weekly check-in. And, um, you know, it always starts with gratitude because to have an abundant mindset, you, you can't have abundance and scarcity in your mind at the same time. You really have to focus on the, the, mm. the abundance piece. And to get that, you start with gratitude. So what are all the good things that you're grateful for? And it can be things that happen during the week. It could just be that, you know, we're breathing not smoky air, <laughs> which we, yes. we have some fires going on right now in Canada. So, um, you know, but it could be, be simple things. It doesn't have to be too elaborate, but it starts with getting grounded in gratitude And then we take the time to check in and rate ourselves on how we showed up uh, and that we have four things. We created a framework. So our four things, how I showed up as a husband, a father, a lover, and um, in her case, it's a homemaker. In my case, it's a provider because that's where Mm. we are currently in our lives. Mm. And it's, it's like what worked, what didn't work, and what do we think about the week ahead? And then we give the other person time to respond. Um, We did it wrong initially. We started with like rating each other. I don't recommend that. (laughs) It does a great (laughs) connectedness. It creates a lot of confusion and actually (laughs) combativeness instead. Um, But when you self-assess and self-reflect, it actually forces you to really think like what didn't go well this week? And, And then you give the other person opportunity to respond. And typically it's with grace and compassion and empathy. And, uh, I gotta tell you, we come away from that every week, just feeling so renewed in our, our relationship, our marriage, our, our oneness as we, and it just gives us the fuel for the week ahead. We, we feel charged and we have alignment in our calendars. And um, yeah, I just, I would just say from our perspective that those two practices have been the difference maker into why we've hit 29 years and mm. uh, in a tumultuous story that probably should never ended up there. Yeah. And I feel like it seems, I mean, oh, there's so much gold again in what you just said, Brad, but I feel very grateful that my husband, he kind of, we got together when I was maybe a year into my business. And so he has really hmm. come alongside me in the business and, and we're a really good team. And I, I feel really grateful for that. Um, hmm. I also know that, that probably, or potentially not every marriage has that in, you know, if you're running a business, if you're starting a business, if you're kind of in this grind zone, like you were saying, Brad, of like the effort 
and mental capacity and grit and risk that's required in starting and and really scaling a business. And I feel like for a lot of people that, that that may not be there, you may have a partner who doesn't get it, or you may have a partner who wants to get it, but they just don't understand how it all works yet. And, and there's like that communication rhythm feels like such a simple thing to install into our weeks to make, you know, cause I think when we're, we're running businesses, it's not just about our vocation. It's kind of like a, it becomes kind of an identity that, mm. you know, we're on a mission where we're not doing this. I think it comes, it gets to a point where it, you, there are much easier paths. You could <laughs> climb the corporate ladder and that might be an easier path um, sure. potentially. So I think there has to come a point where in our business journey, if we want to go all in, that it becomes part of our identity, it becomes part of our lifestyle, not just our vocation and our job or our career anymore. It's like a, mm-hmm. it kind of embodies who we are. And so we have to be able to bring along our partners and it doesn't mean that they have to work in the business, but we have to get them, invite them into that that journey, right? To help them to understand where we're going and why we're acting like a crazy person sometimes. <laughs> I think helping them to understand, <laughs> it's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connectedness means that we're willing mm-hmm. to have our partners weigh in so they can buy in to yes. uh, what the prices you're paying to start your startup, yeah. which is hard. Starting a startup yeah. is just hard. That's why the mortality rate is really high. And that's why it's exceptional if you are willing to, to go through those difficulties to mm. be on the other side of it. And um, look, I think no one likes surprises. My father used to say the only person that likes surprises is someone on their birthday. And um, I'm a big believer that you know your, your mate does not deserve to be surprised. And the only mm. way you avoid surprises is, is by having just more communication. So you're not in the middle of the week and you have this point where like, well, why is this happening? What's going on there? And you didn't tell me about this. And suddenly it's like, cause you just didn't take the time to communicate. Yeah. And now you're, you're right. heightening the tension and she doesn't understand me. And you know, this is my purpose yep. and passion in life, which we all have those gifts and we yes. need the opportunity to express them, but we need to make sure that we are being intentional about creating alignment in our primary mm. relationship. And, um, mm. anyways, I think those are some of the things that we've, we've come to learn. And again, I'm still a work in progress. Don't get it like, oh, we got it all figured out. And you know, that Brad guy, he's, 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 he's mastered it <laughs> far from we're still on the journey of discovering, um, each other. And, you know, yeah. I've come to learn people are not problems to be solved, but mysteries to be discovered. My wife, I'm still unpacking the mystery of her and yeah. how I can be of greater benefit to her and vice versa. Cause I think Brene Brown says that, you know, it's not like you each show up with a hundred percent. You collectively are a hundred percent. And so you have to kind of communicate how, where are you at today? And if you're only 50% or 30%, you need to let your partner know where they need to step in to support you because you're missing some of your capacity for where you're at based upon the demands in your life. Right. Oh yeah. I love that. I love how she says that she, that Again, that communication piece. And I always say, and mostly I'm talking about it in business, but I'm like, always say the best communicator wins. And I feel like mm. it seems like the way you're, you're kind of just extending that into, well, why don't we have these, these practices in our families, in our marriages, in our partnerships, so that it's everything comes into alignment, which I just, I love. It's so, so good. Now, Brad, I don't even know if we talked much about your book 
but I want you to give like, because I feel like we just had a conversation. It was like we're having a glass of wine, only it's 8 a.m. for me right now. <laughs> so that would be it. <laughs> um, but I want you to give us like, I feel like a lot of people need to probably go back and listen and write down. You had so many epic one-liners, but I want to give you a chance to just share kind of the overall uh, picture of what Startup Santa is and what people can expect and where people can get it. Great. Well, look, um, this book is, is, is an interesting development for me. Um, I really wanted to, it started off as a memoir. I'm like, I just need to write down some of the things that happened because I've had a very Forrest Gump like life. Um, you know, as I considered, I told you, I started off as a kid in the prairies of Canada, right? I mean, I should have been in agriculture or oil or something yeah. of that nature. And somehow I ended up in this very, uh, unique and exciting toy business. And so the title of the book is Startup Santa, and it's a toy maker's tale of 10 business lessons learned from timeless toys. Um, and each chapter takes a classic toy and really unpacks the, the, the lessons from that toy experiences from my uh, sort of, yeah, what I've done in business, particularly from the toy business. And, and then what are the lessons that I've learned? And typically it's wisdom from my wounds. It's, it's things I did wrong. Um, mm -hmm. this book is, I tell people I have a PhD and DUMB from the school of hard knocks, uh, cause I have done <laughs> a lot of the wrong things. And, you know, this book is really focused on, I would say founders who are starting out, who really want to benefit from just understanding, you know, how I can, you can avoid the mistakes I made. Um, you know, there's two different ways you can learn life. There's knowledge, learning from your own mistakes and wisdom, learning from the mistakes of others. Wisdom is a much uh, more cost-effective way to learn your lessons. So I encourage that. Yeah. Um, and the second group this is really for is I would say people that have maybe been doing this a while and maybe feeling a little disillusioned. They're frustrated. Their business is maybe not meeting expectations. And hopefully this is going to help inspire you because I certainly can relate to that through my journey. You know, this is, I'm currently in a, a clean tech startup and uh, so I'm out of the toy business now. Um, and, and there's a bit of a story behind how I got there. Maybe we'll talk, but I don't know if we're going to run out of time, but in any event, um, this is a way for me to make recompense for shipping billions of pieces of plastic around the planet, yeah. all to put smiles on kids' faces. But I always felt conflicted about the fact that most toys end up in a landfill within 90 days because most toys yeah. are things that are impulse purchases, maybe a Kinder Surprise egg as a toy kids play with it breaks, go in the garbage off the landfill. So, um, you know, I've, I feel that I've been given this privilege um, in this next chapter of my life to take a lot of the learnings from what I did making some of the world's most iconic toys and applying it to how I can actually impact both people and the planet. And I don't think those mm. should be uh, binary things. So I really do believe that, you know, business can be the greatest force for good when mm. it's directed at the triple bottom line. And certainly uh, we're, we're fulfilling that with what we're doing in my businesses. And the book tells a story from the beginning of the toy business to how I ended up on this opportunity now to impact the planet in a positive way. It's amazing. And your journey has, is so inspiring, Brad, and you can tell you've got such a wealth of wisdom and experience. And so I really appreciate you sharing all of, well, not even all, but those nuggets of gold is just so, so, so helpful. Where can people connect with you further? We're going to drop all the links to your many businesses that you have and all of that in the show notes, but where can people connect with you and, and check out more of what you're doing? Well, if you want to learn about our clean tech businesses, you can go to peelacase.com. Uh, or you can go to lomi.com and that's L-O-M-I.com. Mm -hmm. um, 
If you want to learn more about me, you can visit my website, which is bradpeterson.com. Now, my Peterson is, is the Danish one, so it's spelled P-E-D as in Delta, E-R-S-E-N. Most people get that wrong. Um, most people use the Swedish one, which is all O's and T's, but anyways. Um, <laughs> and you can also check out startupsantabook.com. And if you go there, you can receive, uh, I think, some free videos we put up there, some other tools. Um, yeah, just some resources that will help you, I think, in both business and life. I know, and I don't think they are, they're not compartmentalized in different, you mm-hmm. know, it's something that's interdependent. So business and life should be integrated. That's how I believe. So, Yeah, I love that so much. Well, Brad, we're going to pop all of those uh, links in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I know that so many of our listeners will have found your story super inspiring. Thank you a bunch for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. All right. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. I hope that you found that conversation really inspiring. The best part for me was when he spoke about Jenga. I left the conversation and was like, oh my gosh, Nath, like we need to figure out our Jenga. Um, (laughs) So it's really, really helpful to get kind of a visual example of how we need to build the foundations of our life and how that plays into how we do business. If you love today's episode, I have one favor to ask of you. If you love this podcast, if you listen to this podcast every single week, if you have found this helpful, any of our episodes, if you found it helpful for you and your business, I would just love to ask you one favor. Could you please leave us a review on Apple? The cool thing about that is it helps us to get in front of more people and impact more people with this cool, cool podcast. So if you have like 30 seconds, that'd be amazing. I would so, so appreciate that. Thank you so much, my friend. I will see you back here same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, have a beautiful week and go get them.